0: They say they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down deep down into this rabbit hole. We found. Get ready? It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Profallos.
1: All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm Raph. that's my podcast t-shirt and uh that's James over there uh hold on that's not that way that, I'm one of the ways to the right of me
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like how you've you've matched today we've recorded two so far and uh your your shirts are slowly matching my sweatshirt so I appreciate that's you. right
1: I'm eventually if we record <laughs> any more of these I end up wearing it although it's gorgeous outside if I wear a sweatshirt I'll be too hot so but uh yeah man uh so cool episode that stems from uh a Uh, The Twitter conversation or Twitter thread, as many of these do, uh, brought on somebody that I haven't uh, uh, hasn't been on the show previously. I don't think,
3: Uh,
1: Mr. Nathan Haniel. How you
3: doing, man? Good, good. Just uh, living the dream, you know, swimming through the AI paradise. Um,
1: (laughs) So, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why that comment is relevant because the AI comment is funny. We were talking about this off air.
3: Sure. So. I, so my name is Nathan Hamill. I lead the fundamental and applied research team. I'm senior director of research at a company called Kadelski Security. So what my team does is focus on emerging technologies. So usually all of the buzzwords uh, kind of fall under that, everything from That's AI awesome. to Web3 to um you know privacy engineering to you know advanced cryptography those kind of things that's the kind of area of quantum security all those things are areas that kind of fall into uh my area my bucket um and uh i i'm also i've been on the black cat review board for over 13 years now um so i've spent a lot of time on a bunch of different tracks and um i'm the uh Current uh, track lead for the AI, machine learning, and data science track. So I'm always nice. riding a fine line between totally overhyped and haters. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think that's a great place for a security professional to be. Is like right in the middle, because right in the middle. you that's know, right. you know, it's really, it's you know, you're in the thick of it. Even though it feels like you're being beaten down sometimes, either by hype or haters. So it's or, or, both. It is yeah, like or both. Sometimes, yeah, or both at the <laughs> same time, which is like super fun.
1: That's a great time. I've, I've had that great time a few times. Um, so look, we're going to talk about, uh, hype in the industry, uh, and, and, and no better time to talk about that. Absolutely. No better time to talk about that than just about two weeks before Black before RSA conference, uh, kicks off in San D and uh, yearly vendor palooza where, uh, everybody is, uh, hyping themselves more than the last guy, uh, who, who has to outdo every last year, uh, do you remember how many vendors there were last year there? I heard some obscene number.
3: No, there's always, uh, (laughs) always a lot. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, some of it is, you know, established vendors like, and some of it are, is obviously startups and they have deep pockets for getting their names out. And um, yeah, I mean, I I go back and forth because at, at a certain point, you know, we need tools. We to do our jobs. I mean, we can't do, be security professionals without some tools, but we've all seen, um, you know, uh, claims from vendors that are, we know are impossible or that are not being honest about. So it's, uh, once again, it runs the, the gambit between, you know, overhyped, the marketing department obviously went wild with the facts and, you know, with <laughs> truly useful. Um, uh, yeah.
1: So, Oh, look, uh, somehow we, we started uh, – I don't even remember exactly how, how we uh, – I, I, why I DM'd you about what the topic was. But we were. It, it turned into like essentially Look, like this industry needs a little bit of skepticism. Like we are entirely too ready to believe just about whatever the next insane claim is. I will caveat that by saying there's a core of us that don't believe anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and outside of that, it's different.
3: Yeah, I think I was, <laughs> I think I was a bit uh, uh, frustrated by the massive hype around Microsoft Security Copilot. Now, now let me caveat this by saying, you know, as an industry, being overly skeptical has not served us well. Like <laughs> we've definitely been far too much in the other column at far too many times, but. Uh, with security copilot i saw people basically raving and how this was going to change the industry based on a website in a minute and 30 second video i mean it's tr- it may but there's nothing for us to evaluate there's no release date there's nothing for us to even yeah. see so yeah it was just kind of a weird thing i just don't think we should be doing the marketing department's job for them
1: it's it is so I mean A I think that demonstrates that the, the Microsoft uh, PR folks nailed it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and B that we are as a as a profession as an industry absolutely starving for something that feels real like it can actually move the needle because we've been swimming in a sea of uh, sameness and uh, me tooisms for forever like. You know, it's something truly innovative comes out and a hundred me twos come out right after I get. Like, oh, yeah, I do that, too. Oh, yeah, we do that, too. Oh, we do that with a different dashboard. Oh, we do that with different graphs like now with AI and then then like the now with AI now with magic, whatever now. And you're like, wow, why? Why is this happening? But they do it because, as P.T. Barnum once said, there's a sucker born every minute and they buy it. Correct.
3: Um, and, and it is fun to go around the vendor area and ask all, cause this isn't a new thing, right? Like we're no. just seeing basically something that's kind of turned into a social contagion, but the yeah. the uh, the claims about use of advanced AI inside of security tooling isn't new. And I, I do spend a decent amount of time walking around the vendor area at Black Hat, just asking people how their products work. And you'd be surprised at how many people who are giving me presentations Don't know how their product works and they're like, oh, well, that's so-and-so he's an engineer, he's at lunch, he can come back you know, you can come back later. And, and it's, um, it's a really funny thing, um, because I'm asking the question not to torture the salesperson that's standing there. I'm asking the question because I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like I want to know know what approaches (laughs) people are taking, and I, I want to know how people are solving problems, especially when you're claiming you're doing something that nobody else does. I mean, that's a pretty unique claim. I'd like to understand more about that. Um, yeah. So it's, I usually spend hours doing that, by the way. Uh, it's my, one of my favorite things to do at security I, conferences.
1: I, I do that. And uh, I, I do quite a bit of that. I, I remember doing it one year. I was with Optiv and a bunch of us from the office of the CISO walked around and, and, uh, I think I told this story a bunch of times, but we, we started, you know, we we take a screen grab, a photo of like the, the, the placard at the booth that says what you do and then took all the hype out of it and the logos and the colors schemes and went back to them and said, okay, which one of these is yours? And, and they, <laughs> almost nobody could tell me. Right. They're like, Oh, these all look alike. I'm like, I know that's my point. But the, the hype machine is definitely real. Do you really, I mean, look, th- there's a point at which I, There's there are times where I wish this uh, the buyers in the industry were more skeptical uh, and I'm going to mention two companies and we all know them, the, the one with the pew pew map. If okay. them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and we'll just leave it at that and then the other one was a couple of years ago it was a black Hat, right a couple of years ago two
3: or three years uh, ago did, you're, you're probably going to mention a company that i don't want to talk about uh no
1: we will not talk about that did quantum something magical or other, exactly time yeah, travel but, teleport i don't know what they did but anyway nobody really actually understood what they did but um but but there were articles written about how game-changing the technology was without
3: anybody ever like (laughs) seeing it. Yep. And I mean, I think when you, and if we take a step back, even like, as I spend uh, quite a bit of time, you know, focused on the social aspects of technology as well. I mean, even, even years ago, it was around attacking social networks. I mean, that's just, that was kind of the new technology. That's where everybody was going. So it was kind of fun to kind of attack that. I think at a certain level, the world is just too complicated for all of us to know how everything works. I mean, you could be the smartest person on the planet and still not know how everything works. So people mentally offload uh, a bunch of this to vendors, to perceived experts, whether they're experts or not. So yeah. you, you, tend to, you, you have to mentally offload those things. And I think that it becomes a trap that people exploit. Um, and sometimes there's just not enough people willing to question um, or willing to wait and see the product. Like we're talking about companies that don't have actual products that you can go and put your hands on and test and say, you know, you made these claims, it doesn't match these claims. Um, or you made these claims and, you know, now you have the claim. I think that's one of my biggest problems too, with the whole chat GPT phenomenon is that it's kind of gotten us away from talking about more traditional accuracy metrics because, you know, we're used to seeing claims now that, Vendors have definitely taken uh, uh, advantage of accuracy metrics because you know ninety nine percent effective. Well, what does that mean? On whose data is that My data is it? Your data? Like where is that? It's number never your data, so, Nathan.
1: It's never exactly.
3: <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's, with, that's we answer. don't even it's have that yours. conversation anymore. I mean, it's these things make mistakes sometimes. Well, that's not a valid metric that you can go and and match to any particular problem. And only until recently did we have you know, the chat completion API, where people can actually, you know, write function calls and integrate things like chat GPT into your application. And I think that's going to open up the biggest uh, can of worms uh, ever. So I see all these news articles written by people I've given so many interviews that um, basically say, you know, the malicious use of things like chat GPT by attackers is overhyped. And every time I say that to somebody, then there's an article that comes out and it's like, this is a game changer for attackers. And I go and I look at the article, I look at who wrote it, and I'm like, that person did not use any of these tools that they're talking about. So if you look at the research, like people actually building malware with it, I mean, it's cool research, but we're talking about malware written in Python or Golang. And it was done for the novelty factors. Like one of them was like, you know, we used... Uh, nation state grade uh you know (laughs) nation states only nation states have access to steganography basically is what it said and i'm like as you're using the open source steganography library that anybody can grab on github right you know so (laughs) i think i think the a lot of reporters i mean we live in the clickbait times and i really think a lot of reporters really want chat gpt to be all four horsemen of the apocalypse and it's the fact of the matter is it's good at some things, not so good at others. Like, yeah. why can't we just say, hey, let's use things for what they're good for and leave the hypey stuff behind. But it doesn't work that way.
1: Well, so like we uh, we did an episode a few back. Remember, James? We, we, we did a Ask Chat GBT yeah. Security questions episode. Mm, okay. And it, it was it was entertaining, to say the least. <laughs> uh, I remember asking it like the top five security vendors and two of them were Symantec. And uh, what was the other one? McAfee. Yeah. I, would find yeah. I, I knew the data set was from like late nineties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and never mind
2: the fact that it can't do the, the simple math, right? Because every time you ask for like top five, it would give you seven,
3: you know, it's, it never, it, it... it's very bad at numbers. Uh, it's very bad at math too. I mean, people are trying to, cr- you know, to correct for that. And it's a large language model. So, I mean, that's why it's such a great writing assistant and not so great at, you know, truth and reality. And I think it's fine <laughs> if people use it for, I mean, if you want, there's so many cases out there, of people using it as a research assistant, and then they reach out to people who have written papers and that person's like, I never wrote that paper.
1: And it's wow.
3: like, Oh, well, I guess that's, well, he uh, said, <laughs> exactly. And uh, the recent one where basically there was a university professor accused of sexual harassment and that never happened. Um, so wow. we're, we're entering in some weird territory. It can be useful if you're willing to do the work on the back end and say okay, is all this true, which we know people typically aren't willing to do. Now if you're writing a research paper, you're writing a book or something, you're probably willing to go the extra mile, but if you're just casually browsing yeah. the web, I mean, you're you're just going to take the advice you get. So it's um yeah, we're entering a, a weird category of it's useful for something like even programming, right? It, it can be a useful programming assistant. Uh, you know, I wrote a paper on uh, addressing risks with GitHub Copilot, and I included some ChatGPT stuff in there. So, b- people are, if you're a developer and you're trying to be productive, you're going to use tools that make you productive. So, you know, from that perspective, I don't think a tool that's not, um, you know, that's not helpful to a developer will be used for long because they're going to be like, I spend more time fixing things than getting things right. Or if it's working well, they're going to continue using it. And what we should yeah. do as security professionals, make sure all the steps are in place to catch any potential vulnerabilities well, or issues down the, down the way.
1: So I, I, you're kind of the right person to ask this because al- along the, the topic of the hype train, I've had... I've had this sort of thorn in my side for running for a while now with with folks uh, doing the, uh, uh, you know, now with AI, now with ML uh, on whatever product they released three years ago. But now now it has machine learning. And then it was like, oh, now it has AI. Like AI, ML was the big term for a while. It basically was – it it supplanted the, the word magic in certain <laughs> um you know certain uh certain companies um marketing and then we went to AI and what does that mean uh and and it, and it basically said well it's gonna it's gonna be magical like it's gonna do every it, like but this is it, artificial intelligence isn't actually intelligence like guys this isn't it's not gonna like you can't point this thing at, at, at you know at the at security problems and it's not gonna solve them magically for you I, and it's it's bothered me because the implication to the common, not even the common person, like the average security buyer, is that um, this is somehow more advanced than the humans and, and then the human problem solved. And it's not. It's Correct. just not.
3: Yeah. I mean, the term AI has been completely uh, taken over. It's kind of like. The word cybersecurity, a people, lot of people don't like that. And then crypto instead of cryptography for cryptocurrency. Yeah. You know, there's been all these fights. AI is kind of the same way. Like I just don't even play the game. I mean, nowadays AI is a generic term that encompasses basically machine learning and deep learning. That's what people are using it as. Whereas the technical term is basically supposed to be more around AGI or ASI, which is artificial general intelligence or artificial superintelligence, which is human level intelligence, which we don't have. So everybody's just calling everything AI now. That's a battle that I'll, I'll let um, philosophers and academics fight. Um, but even I start to just use it generically. Um, and I think it, you, you brought up a good point about security problems, because usually if you look on a spectrum of problems that are good for automation and machine learning and deep learning it usually falls on a spectrum between you know uh how 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 often the problem set changes in a directional line and you usually have very static things like handwriting recognition or something all the way down at the end you know like an a is gonna look like an a most of the times and all the way up into you have something like high frequency trading or you know security because those are constantly uh, evolving uh, sets of data, uh, the, the need to adapt uh, to certain situations. Um, so I really think that you know, security, at least for the time being, you, we, we can certainly find areas for automation, but the thought that ChatGPT is going to replace actual cybersecurity people is a little bit uh, delusional at this point. Because I, I mean, mean, it's not Depends on who you ask, Nathan. It really does depend on who you ask. <laughs> well, are I'm, that- I'm not selling anything. So I'm more inclined so to, that's
1: the difference. Yeah. That is the difference because practitioners and people that don't have a, t- a thing to sell you uh, are skeptical I have a thing to sell you, but I'm a skeptic. <laughs> I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you it's all going to magically go away. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I
2: think really you get some dislike. of it too, though, where people, you know, from the taking away, right? Like you look at like low level, entry level type jobs, you know, people will say, oh, well, it can take that, right? Like I can take somebody with zero experience and I can have you go ask chat GPT these simple questions and, you know, you can get it back. Now it goes back to that same issue we just were talking about for the last 18 minutes, right? Which is, do you have the capability to go back and actually vet that that information is right, you know, and I think that's something that the industry struggles with for everything, whether it's choosing your vendors, anything that comes out, people just have that luxury of just saying, well, oh, this said it, you know, Jack over there said this was a great tool, chat GPT said this, you know, the the whatever, it said, this is the answer. I'm not gonna go even when we did that episode, right, Raph? I mean, yeah. oh, here's the top seven. Okay, like, Here's the top seven. Let's take it to the
1: exact well, board how, and let's how, get it. What do I have it. to dispute that?
3: Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think you you brought up a, a, a good point, And that is that we, we as humans, we tend to look at things and oversimplify them. So uh, I talk with a lot of people who oversimplify other people's jobs even. So if you listen to a lot of the people that say things like ChatGPT are uh, uh, the same on the innovation level, same as the printing press or the internet and you look at them, they they will talk about lawyers. It's like, look, it's a contract. What do you want it to say? Who are the parties? What do you want to happen if it gets violated? And boom, that's it. Or you look at even self-driving cars, which is a good one because it's like, well, how hard can it be? Obey the speed limit, stay in the lines, don't hit things, look at signs. Like how hard is this problem? And yet we find out that the world is far more complex. Yeah. so I think just like passing the bar exam or the CISSP, like if chat GPT passes the CISSP, does that make it a security professional? It's not like security professionals sit around answering CISSP questions all day. you know. They're I'm
1: not touching actually... that one. <laughs> I'm going to politely back away from that one, Nathan. Let's, move, let's, let's keep
3: going. Let's you know not talk about CISSP. Problem with the problem the squared? Oh, okay. Uh, it might be. I have a CISSP. Um... It's fine. <laughs>
1: Not, not knocking you for it. Um, it. You know, so you bring up an interesting point, like the, 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 the problems there is a um, security is not the way we look at it. Right. The probably a lot of listeners look at it is it's not a discrete single problem of like identify an orange, right. Cause between, for me, I know what an orange looks like, but how do you describe it so that it, but that, so that, every time you look at something you only identify an orange. not a tangerine right? not a grapefruit uh, not a bowling ball, not a car, the orange. And so security is like that because it is a it's identifying behaviors that are um, potentially out of out of uh, stand step outside the norm of some model. But also they can be inside the norm of that model and still be malicious, but doing like in in a series of steps or whatever. So what I'm saying is like I can identify cross-site scripting. I can identify a a exploit that somebody's done before. But looking at that, that's not where the novelty is, I think, these days. And that's not what we keep saying, like we're trying to solve. I think what we're trying to solve, you know, where the, where the kind of the big hype trains are going, is in, in going into the future, looking forward and saying, "Sure, I can I can identify all the pattern based things because if you can't buy now, if everybody can't buy now, then you're missing something." But how do you look at the things that are that we haven't figured out, the humans haven't seen yet, that the machine now needs to go? That thing's interesting, right? That's what's interesting to me. And I don't, I don't see that talked about a lot. Do you?
3: Um. No, I think there are situations in which because I think we as humans, we look at the world and we have our sensory view of the world. So you mentioned like oranges and tangerines and all that. So if you if you ran those images through a computer vision model, it would show you, you you could like ask it for a description and it could show you heat maps of why it thinks that. I mean, you can do that with like cats and dogs and it kind of identifies the ears and the eyes and all those things. But it's seeing a different representation of the world. I think if if we were able to use you know techniques, be them you know machine learning, deep learning, reinforcement learning, whatever the case may be, to identify situations which are attacks that we wouldn't have noticed on our own, that's where it can be super useful. So um, I think we'll never get you know to a utopia one way or the other, but you know there is a lot that happens in your brain within a split second. It's like, yeah, something isn't right here. Let me dig into this. And then you kind of find uh, that actually was an attack. It was maybe it was something new or novel. Um, And I I just don't think we're, we're there yet. I mean, there's lots of good behavioral analysis tools that kind of help where it shows you, Hey, this is outside of the, the normal traffic. We've kind of had those for quite some time and they, Mm -hmm. they, for the most part, they work, you know, they work pretty well um to get some things wrong but we're talking about a massive scale of data that wouldn't be possible for a human to to go through anyway
1: i think i think that's where like if i'm if i'm gonna allow allow some leeway for the for the hype machine i think it's in 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 the analysis of the the technology like we're looking at tech that's talking about things that humans can't actually do right is and That's where I think the limitations of humanity became pretty prevalent is when we, when we had, you know, uh, we got beyond the fire firewall packet filtering firewall on a T one in the, in the nineties, the volume went up to a two. And it's not even, it wasn't a linear curve. It was exponential. Right. And in some cases is a logarithmic. It was crazy. And it it keeps that, that, that it keeps going to like, you know, we're, getting approaching that near vertical climb there and as we as as everything around us generates data there was an article about how like i think formula one fans f1 cars generate like petabytes of data yep you're like okay so if you're the analyst staring like at the tire pressure uh lateral accelerometer uh, engine you know, engine temperature and that, look at all these gauges like the, the train, the guy that's done that a million times, the gal that's done that a million times you start to see patterns you're like, oh I know what that means, that means there's going to be an engine failure or that's that means there's a, you know, one of the tires is wearing thin on this side or the brake bias is wrong or whatever but you can't, I, I can't imagine doing it on more than like a small cluster of the things that your brain can handle you do that, expand that across the entire telemetry of that what that car is streaming no chance even that entire wall of pit crews has to be using technology to tell it where to go look for the interesting things that then the human brain can – has that – I don't know. There's something that separates us from machines, and I think that's the thing. That thing you've identified, that's the thing. It's like that looks interesting. Yep. Maybe it's timing. Maybe it's presentation. Maybe it's something, but that makes your brain go, hmm, that's interesting. I, think that, I, think that, I don't know if we're going to ever solve that by machines.
3: Yeah, I, and I think that, you know, the, the problem with, like, I've been railing against a lot of the hype for quite some time. And you get labeled like a contrarian or like an anti-technology uh, zealot or something. And I'm yeah, like, I'm, I'm talking it. about the hype. I'm actually into the technology. But what happens when you have overhyped technology is you see a bunch of demos. You don't know how it works, but you're getting the right answer. So you're like, this must be working. But machine learning not implemented properly has a way of giving you the right answer for the wrong reasons. And that can be dangerous because as you roll this out and the problems get fixed or the data changes, now you're in a very bad spot because now you're not getting any alerts where you, you were getting things before. And then you call the vendor and the vendor doesn't know why things aren't working and you don't know why things are working. Nobody seems to know why it's working. So I I'm, I'm just trying to be, you know, uh, i'm just trying to add a bit of caution to the conversation um well even
1: it's not like we haven't like i said we've, we've, we've all got examples where it's you, you let yourself kind of relax for a minute and go all right i trust these i trust these people that are over there they can't possibly this can't possibly be, be, be you know all hype and it i've gotten burned on it a couple times too right and you know, like I said, whose data set does this work on? Not yours is the answer. It's always that <laughs> the answer. It's the pre canned data set that we've created for this demo. And then that's just, I mean, that's how, if you've ever given a presentation live with live data, you know why, exactly why you always bring your own data because it mm-hmm. never quite works right on, on this, on, in the presence of that moment. Yeah, um, for sure. And as a vendor, you want to, you know, put your best foot forward and show everybody that it's working great and the things are awesome. And I, <sighs> Do we need the hype machine, though, to
2: help keep that optimism that there is that potential? Even if it's not working at this point, there's the potential that we could do something like this. I mean, when you mentioned before some of this stuff, I, I think back to, like, DEF CON years ago when they had, like, that Bluetooth sniper rifle, right? They could, like, pick up Bluetooth from, like, 18 miles away, right? And it's like, that's pretty cool technology. Is it useful? Not in any application, right? Right, So, cool. But it gets you that like, wow, what could we really
3: do with this? Maybe it doesn't meet the, the 80% rule. <laughs> I, I would say that's hype versus stunt hacking, right? So I, I see those as like two different things. I mean, <clears throat> so stunt hacking can have its uh, benefits by inspiring people to think about ideating those attacks against other things. So some of what we're seeing with Chat GPT right now is basically stunt hacking you know, it doesn't have a lot of impact. It's, it's, it shows that, Hey, you know, some of the guardrails aren't implemented properly. Um, To me, when it gets to like the, the hype, I, I really tried to rack my brain about why I'm sitting here and everyone around me is like raving about how this is going to change the world. I'm like, is something wrong with me? Like, what am I not seeing that they're <laughs> seeing? And there really is. I mean, I, I need to to sit and just do some free writing on this, but there really does seem to be some cases here. I mean, we're in a bunch of economic uncertainty. We just came out of a pandemic. I think there's a lot of social and cultural things that are kind of fueling this, this uh, is kind of pushing behind chat GPT, put it that way. So there are some things that have nothing to do with technology that I think possibly could be fueling this uh, even, even a bit more because everybody seems to be talking about it mm
1: well uh, i i wish i was that optimistic um <laughs> I, I i i the the things that i um see in the marketing um and maybe this is a factor of uh I don't know. I don't know what the factor is, but I I, I see it most often in, uh, on on the extreme ends of either brand new companies that just desperately need to be noticed, but you know, like market needs to notice them, and they have to somehow do something even crazier every time to be noticed. Right? This is like both Black Hat and RSA are now victim to this. Um, it's uh, it's it's crazy because. You have to make more and more outrageous claims for somebody to notice you for somebody to go, oh, that's it's actually something different as opposed to you're one of everybody else. So I think this is sort of a self-perpetuating machine now. Um, it the the more this every time it happens it has more fuel to the fire, which means the next claim has to be crazier. and it's like with politicians, you just have to keep feeding that hype machine until <laughs> I don't know where this ends um, but you know i i I'm concerned because there is a legitimate. Pro- there are legitimate problems to solve. There are legitimately good technologies that can address those problems, and because we have we are probably going to burn more and more people on this, uh, we're either going to create uh, people, you know, buyers that don't believe anything, which is going to be bad for us, or we're going to fuel up this hype machine so bad. That the only claims are going to be the ones that are so outrageous they can't possibly be true
3: yeah it's that you're you hit the nail on the head with the marketing side like you you have to add your own spin on what you're doing even though it's the same as everyone else so in that 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 seeking to add that spin you add more and more claims on top of what you what you say you're doing um i i think another another thing at least fueling the chat GPT craze uh because I I get beaten over the head with the the overhyped chat GPT with attackers thing so it's really sore subject with me when somebody comes out with like an uh, a quote like some CEO comes out and says hey this is going to change the world for better for the attackers and and it's all these claims uh, and I think it's part of a social phenomenon so I mean scientists have kind of found that when when people kind of see something as being a consensus, they kind of internalize that viewpoint as their own. I mean, it's something we've seen in social networks. It's, it's part of, it's been part of society for a long time. So it was pre predated like, you know, social media, but it really escalates on social media. So you have a lot of security leaders who read a lot of high level articles talking about how, you know, chat GPT is going to supercharge attackers then they go and give interviews where they say chat GPT is going to supercharge attackers. And then they pair it to other people who pair it, that comment who pair it, that comment. And we end up with this massive echo chamber of people saying chat GPT is going to supercharge attackers without realizing we have chat GPT today. This isn't a future state it's here now. Like, so where are all the supercharged attackers? Cause you'd think we would see some meaningful change even by now. I mean, it's been out for a while and attackers are usually pretty good at exploiting technology before defenders. this is something we know, right? Yeah. So it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me when you look at the facts and after you've used the technology for a while, use the, the actual chat product, use the API. You kind of understand why some things happen. You know, you have to spend time with it to kind of really see like, Hey, prompt injection. I see how that works. Look, I made this call to the, once you deconstruct the API, you can start to look and see how the calls are made. It it really does make a lot of a lot more sense. Um, so and you only get that perspective by actually using the tools. And I can tell whenever I see one of these articles pop up, and I start reading just a couple of paragraphs, I'm like this person has not used this tool. They've not used ChatGPT.
2: Well, that's a cycle of like security industry. I've said this for years, right? Like we are built on marketing, anything mm-hmm. you do to get out there, whether it's doing your own research, you know, quoted in articles for anything like that. It's how do I get my organization out there in the news, you know, doing a quote. And you know what, if I mm-hmm. saw X, Y, Z say something, right. What's going to help me in my position. It's going to be, Oh, let me support that person. Cause it's a well-known person. I don't, I don't even have to read it. They said it's a, a thing i'm gonna go say it's a thing right we we have that cycle where we just constantly like you said the echo chamber of you know a couple people started saying it now everybody says i say it's the same thing about the time change you know like nobody would complain Mm -hmm. about the time change if one person hadn't started complaining about it and everybody heard and said oh i'm so tired like whatever it's an hour it's not a big deal right but as soon as one person starts saying it and then Five people start saying everybody wants to jump on that wagon and be like, yeah, yeah, wait a minute. That is a problem for me. You know, and it just, it, and, you know, social media Finally. helps expound that. But that's what starts happening is you get a few people that have a lot of followers and, you know, people want to push them up because that's going to help pull them
3: up.
1: Influencers, you know man, Influencers. Yeah, nobody, exactly.
3: <laughs> nobody takes a reputational hit for saying the same thing as everyone else. Like you don't you don't pay a price. Like most of the time, I I see people, I see ridiculous claims, but <laughs> most most people don't. Nobody's going to go back and read your blog post four years from now and say, "Wow, that person was really wrong." We live so in the moment, right? And if you're saying the same things as other people, you it's not like you're going to take a reputational hit for it two years later when you were wrong. Like when attackers aren't supercharged or or you know when it wasn't as influential as the printing press or it's really not that reliable for most things. So I, I think it will affect people's jobs, especially creative, like people freelance creative artists, like have to be hating things like chat and Dolly and stable diffusion because I mean, if you're a freelancer who works independently on marketing campaigns and stuff, people are just going to click a button five times and get an art piece of art that they like. And they're just going to use that so it really does devalue like things yeah. that that freelancers would do it's, there's even there's even stories of like uh copywriters who are now being asked to proofread chat gpt output for less money than actually writing the copy <laughs> which is what they normally do so basically we're turning into like ai janitors
2: yeah you see it with uh i mean some of these apps now that are offering like the uh, text to image Generators mm-hmm. like here, just describe what you want and it'll just create that image for you. It's uh yeah, it's really interesting to see some of the uses that are out there of being able to create that. I, you know, we've seen the stories of sensitive information leakage where, you know, the exec throws his financial outlook in there and it spits out his PowerPoint presentation for him like that. It's going to be interesting to see how people go about using it. But, you know, I think, again, some of that stuff is, you know, oh, somebody said this is the next thing. Let me I'll just start using it because somebody else said to use it. And you're right to the point, you know, even two days later, never mind two years later, you can be proven wrong two days later. But nobody Nobody, cares. Right. That's why that's why the headlines go out there like that. That's why we say everything is so glorified, because, you know what, even if I'm wrong tomorrow, nobody will care. You know, I think it's interesting to see our attention we started fans, this yeah. conversation, you know, with Microsoft kind of, you know, a Web page and a, and a one minute video like they're taking the same tactics that we've seen from the other side where it's like, all right, we're going to drop it on this date. We've got a logo, a theme song. And, you know, this thing is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened. And, and how many times has it been anywhere near that hype level? And But a week later, nobody cares. Like, everybody got in a frazzle. They got all about it. And then it's like, yeah, that was a... Yeah, whatever. It wasn't no big deal, right? I can't wait for the next logo and theme song to come out. Like, good for them to
3: follow that same path. Like, generate the hype around it. <laughs> well, I guess if you spend $10 billion on something, you need to do something with it. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. <laughs> I uh, Look, so we're, we're kind of up on, or maybe quite past time. Is it, where does... Where, where is this all headed to? Uh, what, what, like... What's the I don't know what's the logical next cause progression here because we 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 are pretty far down the hype machine like we are in a hype bubble. Uh, this yeah. this this industry this this profession is in a hype bubble. Are we? I talked to an, uh, a financial analyst that, that looks at markets, and uh, she basically said you guys are in in that space. The housing market was at in two thousand right before two thousand eight, like July August two thousand eight where everybody's looking around and going uh this doesn't something's wrong every 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 uh suddenly that uh, that two bedroom uh you know 500 square foot uh house is uh, a million and a half like something's wrong here and that's right before the thing just goes yeah. are we there are we expecting an implosion
3: i i'm probably not the the right person to ask about this because i I usually don't I do like my my marketing department I probably shouldn't talk about my company, but my marketing department always asks me to do uh predictions for the next year. I'm like, I don't want to do them because every time somebody does predictions, they're either painfully obvious or they're wrong. The world is far too complex for us to make predictions. And I think it making predictions actually rewards people who do them, even though they're not accurate. Right. So we live in the moment. So it rewards a very hypey thing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a bit more, uh, conservative about it. I think the, you know, so now I'm going to, I, after I caveat that now I'll make a semi prediction. So I'll look like an idiot in a year and a half. Um, Nobody but, remember, dude. <laughs> you know, just, uh, <laughs> so I think where all of this is headed is that, you know, security is still a very human focused problem. There's a bunch of complexity there. So I don't see silver bullet tooling anytime soon. I've, I've, I have said, you know, once again, caveat, here I am. I, sometimes I throw things out on social media, which I probably shouldn't. But I said, I feel that all the hype around AI in general is may actually cause another AI winter. And that oh. would be kind of very bad because, you know, it's not that these tools aren't useful for some things. It's that we've built them up. There are people who think, that GPT-5 is going to be AGI. Sky and I'm just, I don't see it because I think GPT-5 will be a better version of GPT-4, which is nowhere near even being able to reason. So I think what we're going to have happen is, I, I I think we'll have some kind of scaling back on the tooling side. We'll still need people to, to kind of do the work um, and I think we'll be in, in, in a much the same position. Um, I know there's been a bunch of companies cutting back on like people. Um, I don't know how much of that percentage is actually security people. So a bunch of tech people or a bunch of tech companies had a bunch of layoffs. I don't know what percentage of that was security people, but it seems to me like security strategy, You know, being able to kind of do technical assessments I mean, these are skills that are going to be very valuable. You know, it's not like we built a reinforcement learning agent that can just adversarially run around your network and find all the flaws so that humans don't need to do it. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll be in much the same case, maybe with the same or similar tooling in the next few years. I think we will be left with a legacy of some of these large language models being left partly implemented and partly working inside of some of our tooling, which is very bad. Like the the real security issues with large language models is their hapless integration into absolutely everything around us. Because I don't think people realize that you can actually interrupt the execution of the application, you know, depending on where we have indirect prompt injection. So you can actually interrupt. You have a formerly had an app that was fairly robust. Now, you've just basically opened up uh, a, a gaping hole. So, I've explained it as these models are basically a single interface like text, you know, images, whatever the case may be, with an unlimited number of undocumented protocols. So, people keep finding ways around the guardrails, they keep, keep tricking the system into a different state. Like, these are undocumented protocols, and we know that that's not good for security we know not understanding how it works is not good Good.
1: yeah undocumented i'm going to make a blanket statement and say undocumented uh profiles uh, or sorry um undocumented uh protocols and api endpoints and 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 stuff like that in our in our systems is absolutely a bad thing there's no there's no good way to make that happen so all right nathan Thanks for spending some time with us and yeah. giving us uh, Thank the you for last five minutes or so. Yeah, man. Uh, Appreciate it. Anytime. We should create a we should create a t shirt that says the uh, the Skeptic Society of Cyber. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I just wanted it, I wanted a shirt that says Extinction Engineer. Um, so be. maybe I'll make one I for work Black Hat.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that would be a good. We can make those. I mean, look, we've got these made, right? So you mm-hmm. can make anything you want. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll bring you one of these for the uh, for Black Hat. Yeah, that'd be great. I've got a bunch of them. I've, I've got a small stack. I've, as as I, after I moved, I realized that from like a RSA conference, like three, four years ago, Microsoft made a bunch of these for us, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and I, I found them in a box. I was like, oh hey, I have a few left. So all right, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, Nathan Daniel uh, regaled us with his uh, with his snarkiness uh, as always. <laughs> hey, healthy dose of skepticism keeps us alive, my friend. That's how we yep. survive as a species so uh all right folks thanks for listening hopefully by now you have uh transitioned your rss feeder and your all the links and whatnot where you find this podcast to dtsr.buzzsprout.com we've moved off of live into it into buzzsprout uh, otherwise you're not getting this uh and uh and you're wondering why the feed stopped so um also check out the uh, youtube version of this uh these videos as we, we post these out and let them go and when, uh, when our guests allow us Nathan's been gracious enough to uh, to uh, give us video, and so uh, check it out that way. All right, that's been another uh, Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast gone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Cue the music. We'll catch you next time, another place on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.
0: As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag pound DTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.